Amidst uncertain and perilous times, we as believers are called to hold fast, stand firm and endure to the end in our faith no matter what comes our way. This message is a reminder to persevere in faithfulness the way the Lord Jesus demonstrated his perfect faithfulness. Hello church family and good morning. It's wonderful to be here again with you on a Sunday uh, and we welcome he you here for an online pre-recorded service. Um, we hope that you are doing well and staying encouraged in the Lord and work walking in closer communion with God. Um, we want to also take this time to just welcome all uh, of you who have logged in uh, into our site for the first time. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we would just like to let you know of the resources that we have. And if there is a feedback or any prayer request that you would have, uh, we would uh, encourage you to write to us so that we could cover you and bless you uh, as a church. Um, we also... Uh, if, if you would also like to take this time to just share the link uh, of today's message to your friends and family, uh, we hope and pray that uh, many more people would be blessed as we, as we go into this service and into the message today. Um, before we start our um, message for this morning, let's get into uh, speaking the word of God and declaring uh, uh, our faith. Um, so for that, if you have your Bibles, I would like you to turn to Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. I shall read that out for you. It says, the sun is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. So what does this, this verse show us? This verse shows us that Jesus, who is the exact expression of God the Father, he upholds, sustains, puts in place, controls all things. And in some versions it also says even the universe by his powerful word. So this same word that, that is powerful, the same word that upholds all things is available for you as well as for me in all our situations today. So it says that the same powerful word upholds, keeps in place, sustains, controls every little thing that belongs to each one of us or the things that we are going through. So how do we appropriate this? We can appropriate this by taking God's powerful word, first of all, believing it and making a confession and declaring it. So even today, as we come with our concerns, whatever it may be, I'd like you to take and put it put in your mind what you're concerned about. And uh, remember that we are going to be speaking God's powerful word over those situations because his word upholds all things. It upholds everything that belongs to us. So if you have your Bibles and if you would like to stand, do so. If you're with your family, all of you could maybe hold hands, hold a Bible in your hands and let's say out this declaration bold and strong. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I'm saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I'm blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I'm a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. I present myself as a new wineskin to receive the new wine and fresh oil being poured out on me. God releases new things and a new work of his spirit in me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so as we go on to our message, uh, you would agree with me that the last five to six months has been a very unusual journey for all of us. We've been going through this pandemic and uh, we have experienced things that we 
probably have never done before. But today I want to encourage each one of us and uh, let us know that scripture has something to say as we journey through these seasons. It calls us to be faithful to the end. So it calls us to be faithful to the end. So the times that we are living in right now are very uncertain. It's perilous and it is risky. In fact, Paul, in his letter to Timothy, spoke about these times. He says in 2 Timothy 3.1, we're at the time of the end living in fierce times. So we can see hard times coming our way. And it is inevitable that we live through this. But yet we are called to be prepared to deal with these times. So how do we prepare ourselves? So we often prepare ourselves in, in, in keeping ourselves probably physically safe at this point of time during the pandemic. We make sure that we keep ourselves financially secure. In the same way, we are also called to be spiritually prepared. So we need to ask ourselves that question. What is my intimacy with God? How much am I putting my faith and trust in him? So Paul gives us this encouragement in his word when he spoke to the church at Corinth. He says this in 1 Corinthians 6.13. Watch, stand fast in the faith, be brave, be strong. So he says, watch. He asks us to be watchful about things around us. Just like we are watchful about what's happening, we are asked to be watchful about our spiritual condition. We are asked to stand fast in the faith. We are asked to be faithful in God and not draw away from our service and our trust in Him. We are asked to be brave. We are asked to, in versions it, it talks about how we act like men, that is to be courageous. And lastly, we are asked to be strong. We are asked to be strong to ask the strength of the Holy Spirit to help us to be faithful. So even as we move into today's uh, uh, message, let's just look at, at the understanding that we have of certain words. So what does faithful mean? So when we think about uh, the word faithful, there may be a lot of instances that comes into our mind. The first thing is probably um, being faithful to a marriage partner. Or let's say if you are a pet lover, you know, you would think of a dog who is faithful to you. Or let's say, you know, you, you enjoy the workplace or you enjoy the work that you do. You would be faithful to your work. Or you have a good friend and you keep vows with your friend. So faithful, faithfulness has different kinds of meanings. But the meaning that we are going to be looking at is to understand that fa being faithful is to be steadfast or consistent in any commitment or a Affection. So a faithful person does not waver. A faithful person uh, is always there and is, uh, you can, a faithful person is someone you can actually depend on. Being faithful to the end really means how you are steadfast and consistent in spite of times that may be difficult. Because that's what proves our faithfulness. Despite what we are going through, do we continue to being faithful? Are we continue being faithful to the end? And when, because this proves uh, our faithfulness, we need to know how is it that we can remain faithful to the end. So we understand faithfulness because uh, this is an attribute of God. God is inherently uh, faithful. That, that is his attribute. So he's, he's eternally steadfast. He is uh, reliable and he is unwavering. You know, God does not have to work on being uh, faithful. That is who he, he is. In Revelations 19.11, it talks about how God is called faithful and true, which means he stands beside us and he keeps us committed to him. Um, when we look at faithfulness, it is an essential part of him. And I'd want to take you through a couple of scriptures that actually helps us see that it is an essential part of God. So Psalm 89 verse 8 says, O Lord God of hosts, who is mighty like you, O Lord, your faithfulness surrounds you. Hebrews 13.8 says, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Deuteronomy 7, 9, therefore know that the Lord your God, he is a faithful God who keeps covenant and mercy for a thousand generations with those who love him and keep his commandments. So God 
is faithful. It, it is his attribute. So being faithful to God is something that is a prime necessity for us as believers. We are called to be faithful. We see that in Hebrews 11.6 where it says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So when a person walks consistently with God in trust and service and obedience, he is called a faithful person. You know, when we look into the Old Testament, it starts off with uh, some people who walked with God. It talks of how Enoch and Noah and Abraham walked with God. They were called friends of God. So just like them, we are also called to be faithful. God also has an expectation of us. You know, he wants us to be faithful. We see that in 2 Chronicles 16.9. He says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. So God does expects, expect us to be faithful and he expects us to work alongside with him. In the world around, uh, the, the concept of unfaithfulness is quite prevalent. You know, so if you see in marriages, if people aren't happy, they walk out. Or if in jobs, if they aren't satisfied, they find another job. So it's in a way quite exalted and it's excused. But scriptures tell us that there is a standard of faithfulness and we have a model of faithfulness that we need to follow. So today as we go on with the message, um, we, we will be, I will be dividing the, the message in a couple of sections so that we we, we can follow through. So first we will be looking into Hebrews chapter 3 where we have a lesson of faithfulness. We will be looking at how we're going to be growing in faithfulness, how we have promises of those who are faithful to the end and how we persevere to be faithful to the end. So we look at the first part of it and we look into um, Hebrews chapter 3. So we're going to be looking at the entire chapter, and if you can follow through um, as, as we go on, that would be wonderful. So from this passage, we are going to be finding out, one, about the faithfulness of Jesus. We're also be going, to, we're going to be looking into the faithfulness that he has for us to help us to continue being faithful. And we're also going to be learning a lesson from the Israelites and their story of unfaithfulness. So if you have your Bibles again, we could open to Hebrews chapter 3 verses 1 to 6. That would be part of the first section and as we read on, you could follow on. Therefore, holy brethren, partakers of the heavenly calling, consider the apostle and high priest of our confession, Christ Jesus, who was faithful to him who appointed him as Moses also was faithful in all his house. For this one has been counted worthy of more glory than Moses, inasmuch as he who built the house has more honor than the house. For every house is built by someone, but he who built all things is God. And Moses indeed was faithful in all, all his house as a servant for a testimony of those things which would be spoken afterward. But Christ as a son over his own house, whose house we are, if we hold fast the confidence and the rejoicing of the hope firm to the end. So here we, we see the first initial sections of how it talks about the faithfulness of Jesus. So verse 1 is actually a call. It is a call to all brethren. It is a call to all of us who are believers who have a heavenly calling. And the call is to consider. So to consider would mean to perceive or to grasp or fully take hold of. What do we fully take hold of? On the way that Jesus was faithful to what God had appointed him to do. So we have an example over here to follow. It says Jesus was an example of how he was faithful to whatever God appointed him to, him to do. And this is a calling that we are asked to be as faithful as Jesus was. So moving on to verse 2, we find 
that there is another person who comes in, in in that verse. It talks about how Moses, just as Jesus was faithful, showed his faithfulness to God's house, meaning the people of God. Now, as we move into verse 3 to, four, to verse 6, it talks about how Jesus was far superior than Moses. Why? Because Moses was um, only saw the glory of God, but Jesus is the glory of God. So Jesus far exceeded this glory in who he is, also in terms of the glory that he brings to the people of God. So we are a part of God's house if we continue to be faithful and hold fast onto the victorious hope of the Lord Jesus Christ. So the key principle that we can take along with us as we read through these verses is that Jesus demonstrated perfect faithfulness in God the Father. He demonstrated perfect faithfulness in God the Father. We should look to Jesus because he's faithful in his person. He is called the high priest and the apostle of our confession. So he is faithful in his person. He's also faithful in his position to bring us, his house, his people unto the glory of God because of what he did on the cross. So this addresses the superiority of Jesus, not only in who he, is, who he is, but also in the work that he does in bringing us to his glory if we are faithful to him. So how do we apply this? Our application is that we need to be responsible to stand firm, to hold fast through whatever comes our way because we have a model of who Jesus is and also he has called us to be faithful. He has given us the position of his glory to be in his house. So we move on to the next part of uh, the, the chapter and we move from verses seven to verses 12. And this is the lesson that we're going to be looking at of the unfaithfulness of the Israelites. So let's read that together. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, in the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, tried me, and saw my works 40 years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation and said, they always go astray in their heart and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So we see in these verses, there is a, a shift in focus. There is a change from looking at Jesus, who was the model, into the people uh, of, of Israel. And this change of focus seems almost intentional. Because, you know, through the story of the Israelites, we understand the importance of holding on to our belief in Christ. Uh, the, the, these verses have been quoted from Psalm 95, and it is a retelling of the story of what happened in Numbers 14. So let me just take you quite briefly through the story in uh, Numbers 14. So here, the Israelites are at the threshold of moving into the promised land. So they have finished their exodus, they were in Sinai for a point of time, and they're ready to get into their promised land. So Moses sends out 12 spies to go check the land out and come back with a report. Now out of the 12, 10 of the spies come back and give a report, and, and they, they say that they would not be able to take the land. They bring about a lot of objections and they say they will not be able to take up the land in spite of knowing and hearing that God had repeatedly told them that they would be able to take on that land. So they rebelled against God. They rebelled against Moses. And what happened? They fell away. And what was the result of it? The result of it was quite disastrous for Israel because it was after that that they spent 40 years moving around the wilderness till that generation of rebellion died. 
and it was we, we see that story retold right now in Psalm 95 and this is exactly what the author of Hebrews has taken to drive home the point of unbelief so let's look through those verses so verse 7 begins uh wonderfully it says therefore as the holy spirit says so you would agree with me that the minute the holy spirit spirit says something we've got to pay attention and in fact the words that he uses are hear his voice today if you will hear his voice and do not harden your hearts so he's actually talking about how serious this is. And this is uh, um, an invitation for us to be able to hear his voice and not be uh, uh, in rebellion and harden her, our hearts like how Israel did. So verse 8 to 11 recounts the way, verse 8 to 11 recounts the way that Israel was unfaithful. So they had trouble staying faithful to God. And uh, they, they tested God. They tried him. The, God was angry with them for the way that they had moved away from God. Their hearts went astray. Uh, they had not known the ways of God. And God swears an oath. And this is at this time that God's anger is kindled because of their unbelief. They had not chosen to trust God. So earlier, they had decided or they, they, they agreed to come into a covenant relationship with God. But it was at that time that they lost that commitment and started falling back because of their unbelief. And it was only Caleb and Joshua who went into the promised land because of the faith that they had, because of the faithfulness that they held on to. When we move into verse 12, it reiterates what was said earlier. It says, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So the author here is adding one more plea. He's adding one more warning to us. He says, brethren, let me uh, help you understand that having an evil heart of unbelief or faith, faithlessness is going to move us away from God. Now, we do understand that the minute we have unbelief, faith walks out of the door. And it is the first step to move outside of what God really desires of us. So through this story that we have seen, let's look at certain things from, from what we have understood from, from the Israelites couple of things that actually hinders us when we walk in uh, when when we walk uh, towards faithfulness so just as the scripture speaks about which which we just read is the first thing is unbelief and doubt so doubt is one of faith's greatest enemies F uh, doubt can hinder us it uh, ravages our faith and most of all it displeases god unbelief has a potential to keep us from being faithful. Unbelief is sin because it has its roots in deceit. And whatever uh, is sin, uh, we, we need to understand that God is displeased with that, with that. So unbelief is a sin because when we are unbelieving towards God, we are actually believing in a lie. And this is what James 1, 7 to 8 says. He who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So we understand that if we create a wrong atmosphere of doubts and of wrong thoughts, it actually gets quite cyclical because it affects our confession and it affects our faith. So wrong thoughts affects our confession, it affects our faith. So we are warned in harboring unbelief and doubt. What's the second thing that we learn? We learn about how they complained. They, there was a lack of thanksgiving. The Israelites complained about everything. They complained of their lack of food, their lack of meat, their lack of water. They complained about Moses. They complained about uh, God. And this is what scripture says, and that's what Paul warns us in 1 Corinthians 10, 9 to 11. 
nor let us tempt Christ and some of them also tempted and were destroyed by serpents, nor complain as some of them also complained and were destroyed by the destroyer. Now all these things happened to them as examples and they were written for our admonition. So we know that complaining reaps consequences, it reaps results, it reaps a, a walk of, of faithlessness, of being unfaithful. So we need to be careful about every time we think of something, is it, is it, is it worth it to complain and not, be, not giving thanks? Let's understand the next thing that uh, hinders our walk of uh, faithfulness is paying heed to discouraging reports. Now, discouraging reports are a normal part of everyday life. You open the news, you open your phone, uh, you, you can have it from books, you can have it from even well-meaning friends. Discouraging reports have a way to dampen our trust. It has a way to keep our eyes away from God. It, it paralyzes our faith. So we need to be careful about the kind of reports that we hear. Through the lesson that we have just heard, the 10 spies came with an extremely discouraging report that paralyzed the faith of the Israelites, thus leading them into rebellion. So if our eyes are not fixed on God, our problems will probably look much taller and much bigger. So it is important for us to have our senses and our minds controlled from the reports that we hear in and around us. The fourth thing that hinders us is of course sin and disobedience. Sin chokes our faith. It alienates us from God. In fact, the fundamental factor that kept God away from man was disobedience right at the Garden of Eden. So we are called to be in obedience to God because when we are in obedience to God, we walk a walk of faith. So as an application, through the story of the Israelites, let us understand of what, what the Spirit has actually asked us to beware of, of to be careful of unbelief, to be careful about what we say, how we complain, about our disobedience, and about paying heed to discouraging reports. As we move on to the last part of the chapter, this is a call for us to be faithful. So let's read verses 13 to 19. But exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ if we hold the beginning of our confidence stepfast to the end. While it is said, today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt, led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. So when we look through these set of verses, verse 13 says, in order to combat developing evil hearts, there's one thing that the author calls believers like you and me to do. It is to encourage, it is to exhort one another. In fact, it says to admonish. So it means, you know, call on one another and ask about their journey of faith. You know, admonish them, help them, encourage them to keep going faithful to the end. And isn't it beautiful that we have a family, we have people who we can uh, encourage, who we can stand, where we can stand together as one and walk along in this journey of faith. And I think, I believe that's the beauty of it. So let's take that advice, let's take that word uh, and, and begin to encourage each other and ensure that we all run this race. So verse 14 actually comes and it is, it is an answer. It's, it's almost like a sigh of relief because it encourages us to continue to stay faithful. And it says, if we are faithful, we share in Christ. We become partakers of Christ. So 
the beginning of the race is not only the thing that matters, it is also the end that matters. So when we finish our course or when we are faithful to the end, we will share in, in uh, what God has to give us. And we will talk about this as, as we move on uh, later in, into, into the sermon. So as we begin to remain faithful, I think it's also good for us to note that we do not run this race on our own strength. So let's see what that says. In 1 Corinthians 1 verse 8 we read, He will keep you strong to the end so that you will be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. So we see that God is the one who perseveres. He is the one who makes us faithful. God never forsakes his work and he will accomplish whatever he has started in us. So he is the one who brings us to that place of faithfulness. The Lord was, is an ever-present help, not just, uh, not just to those in, in, at, at the wilderness. In fact, he was an ever-present help, but a lot of them spurned out his help. He continues to be an ever-present help to us for us to move on into being faithful to the end. So the key principle that we take from these verses is that God delights to walk us into our spiritual inheritance when we remain faithful to him and his promises. So he is going to take us and to share in his spiritual inheritance when we remain faithful. And the verses, the last few verses, actually is a reminder again of the people who rebelled and the people who walked away from God in the way that, that, they, that they moved on with their unbelief. And it actually reiterates that lesson again over to us. So we, let's look into how is it that we can grow into being faithful to the end. So how does our faithfulness come about? So the first way that our faithfulness does come about is out of our love for God. It is our faithfulness that, uh, our faithfulness to God comes out of our love to God. So let's take an example of a husband and a wife. We, tend, we are faithful to our spouses because of the love that we have for them. So similarly, committed love is the foundation of faithfulness. And so where there is love, trust and loyalty will begin to follow. So we see that love and faithfulness actually do go hand in hand. We see that in scripture in Proverbs 3, 3 to 4. Let not steadfast love and faithfulness forsake you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart so you will find favor and good success in the sight of God and man. So this verse helps us see that when there is love and faithfulness going together, there is the favor and the esteem of God, uh, of God as well as man. So our faithfulness comes about because of the love that we have for him. Our faithfulness also comes out when we immerse in God's word. Let's look at a verse. It says in Romans 10 verse 17, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So what is faith? Faith is the trust we put on something outside of ourselves. We put our faith on something. Whereas faithfulness is that which comes from within ourselves. So faith has to do with how reliable and trustworthy is the object of faith, is the object that I'm putting my faith in, is the object that I'm believing in. And faithfulness means how reliable and trustworthy I am to the object of my faith. So to, to uh, probably explain this, uh, let me give you an example. So I am a big fan of baking. And over my research, I have, you know, I have read and, and seen that whole wheat flour is much better to make cakes than refined flour. So through this research, even as I place my faith, I read up and I understand about whole wheat flour, I put it to the test. I become more and more faithful to it because of the results that it gives me. So in turn, um, you know, my cakes actually prove that it, it's much better off with the whole wheat flour. So similarly, you know, we build our faith by immersing in the word of God. Our faith grows 
when we immerse ourselves in the word, when we begin to know who God is. Because when we begin to know who God is, we begin to become faithful to him. And in turn, this his faithfulness uh, speaks to us. He continues to be faithful to us, which allows us to, to, to move on with this uh, journey of faith. So by immersing in the word, by knowing who God is through the word, is how we become more faithful. We also, um, so our faithfulness to God comes out of our faith in God's word. So if our faith is a belief in the person of Jesus Christ. It is a belief in his word. And faithfulness is living in accord to that truth. Our faith is also, uh, grows because it is one of the fruits of the spirit. So Galatians 5.22 says, But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. So this fruit of the Spirit is created within us because of the influence of the Holy Spirit. It is the Holy Spirit's work within us. So when he testifies to us about God's faithfulness, it impels us to seek God. He testifies to us about the faithfulness of God and it helps us to seek him more and more. So having understood that it is a spirit of, of it, it is a fruit of the Spirit, and it is the work of the Spirit. We need to be yielded to the work of the Spirit for it to be manifested. And that's something that we know when we are in a relationship with, with the Holy Spirit. The last thing that we look at when we consider what else uh, uh, we have in, to grow in, in faithfulness is to understand that b being faithful to God is not a feeling. It is a choice especially when things don't go well, especially when things are difficult around us, we make a choice. We see this written in Psalms 119 verse 30. It says, I have chosen to be faithful. I have determined to live by your regulations. So this verse, as David wrote it, if you see a couple of verses before, he talks about how weary his soul is. And that's when he comes to say, but I choose to be faithful. So when we are in difficult times, the, the quickest inclination, our first inclination, is to get into a place of negativity and worry. But that's where we run to God, like David, he runs to God and he says, I choose to be faithful instead of running away. And he chooses and he gets the strength that he needs from God. So as we move on, let's look into our next section of how, or what are the promises um, that God gives us when we remain faithful to him? What are God's promises when we remain faithful to him? So as we read earlier in Hebrews 3 verse 14, uh, we read, For if we are faithful to the end, trusting God just as firmly as when we first believed, we will share in all things all that belongs to Christ. So the promise that God gives us, if we are faithful, we are partakers of Christ. We share in Christ. So what does this word partaker mean? Partaker means to be uh, a participant or to be someone who shares or to be a partner. So what the word is talking about is that, that God gives us an experience of every spiritual blessing we have, we, we experience every spiritual blessing that is in Jesus Christ when we walk in faith, when we are faithful to him. So there are spiritual benefits that comes to us as believers. And some of them, so, so I, there, is, there are so many spiritual blessings that we have. But I just want to enumerate a few for us to understand how we partake in Christ. So we are accepted and beloved in Christ, which means that God the Father, just as he loves Jesus, he loves you and me. We are brought to God because he suffered, because Jesus suffered for our sins. Whatever belongs to Jesus belongs to God because we are heirs with him. We are called as God's children and we are no longer slaves, which means we have a greater allotment, we have a greater portion as children of God. 
we uh, we partake in in god by his uh, through by in his divine nature which means we have a godly character we have his character inside of us now that means we no longer live in our own ability and in our own power we no longer live in our natural realm but we operate out of the supernatural realm because we have his divine nature and his divine power in us because of the holy spirit that operates in us we also have an inheritance we have an eternal inheritance that 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 never perishes that does not spoil or that will never never fade and we also are called joint heirs with christ and when we are a joint heir with christ we are in this inseparable eternal union with him going to be living with him forever we are we are always in him at all times and we are also known as the righteousness of god so i just like you to take a minute to think about the allotment and the portion we have when we are partakers of Christ you know what else could we ask for because the eternal inheritance that we have far outweighs far outweighs the struggles and the hardships that we are going through so as we are faithful this is a promise that god gives us that we can partake we will partake in every spiritual blessing that is in Christ so we are made partakers of Christ by our faith and by faith of the riches of his grace we are made partakers of christ by faith of the riches of his grace the other promise that we are given is that we will be richly blessed when we are faithful we are richly blessed scripture says in proverbs 28:20 a faithful man will be richly blessed but one eager to get rich will not go unpunished So God blesses a life that is committed to faithfulness. He blesses us. And we have seen that as an example in the story that we we read. Joshua and Caleb were richly blessed. They were the ones who went from that generation, from that rebellious generation. They were the only two who who were blessed to move into the promise of promises of God. We also see that another promise is that we dwell with God. Scripture says Psalm 101 verse 6 My eyes shall be on the faithful of the land that they may dwell with me. So God seeks and and he looks for those who are trustworthy and he gives us this one privilege so, uh, to dwell with him to be in communion with him to be in interaction with him and God says he will dwell with us he will dwell with us not just in our kingdom forevermore but he will dwell with us here when we remain faithful to him. The other promise that God gives us is that he acts on our behalf. We see that in 2 Chronicles 16:9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. Now this verse was spoken by the prophet Hanani to a king of Judah by name King Asa. and uh, this is also recorded as an instruction for us so uh, the prophet hanani chastises and rebukes king asa saying you know you were not you're not being faithful to god like you were in the past and as a result of which he talks about a fallout of wars so we so we are also given that instruction that god is aggressively looking it says the verse says uh, the eyes of the lord run to and fro that means he's he's really searching for people who are loyal to him and why so that he can act on their behalf he comes through he stands as a mediator he stands in front of us to to go be, before us and and work on our behalf and show himself strong in all our situations that's the promise that we have that when we are faith he will go through he's going to be the captain and he's the one who's going to be acting strong right ahead of us and the last promise that we are given is that we will be given a crown of life how beautiful in james 1 verse 12 it says blessed is the man who endures temptation for when he has been approved he will receive the crown of life which the lord has promised to those who love him So Jesus promises the crown of life to all those who persevere in faith during trials during temptation during persecution this is a reward 
This is an honor that Jesus will give all of us who continue to be faithful to the end. Through these trials, through these journeys, through these difficult times, through the persecution, through things that we see, he promises that we will receive a crown of life. Now, as we move into our last section, we need to also know of what should our response be? How do we persevere in times like this and continue to be faithful to the end? Here are some simple things that we know, which, which is very familiar to each one of us, but I think it serves as a reminder. So the first is to be able to give thanks, to give thanks. First Thessalonians 5.18 says, In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Now being thankful in a difficult situation usually is a quite a hard thing to do. It requires a conscious will. It requires a decision. I must give thanks. Even when we're facing difficulties, we say, no, I must give thanks instead of complaining and murmuring. And usually our response is that. We respond with murmurs or we respond with, with complaints. And this is exactly what Paul wrote to the, to the church at, at uh, Philippi. He says, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may, be, be, may become blameless and harmless, children of God without fault, in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you shine as lights in the world. So God calls us to be lights in the world by our thanksgiving, by, by just having a heart of gratitude rather than complaining and murmuring and uh, be, being what God, what dis, and, and doing things that probably would displease God. What is the other thing that we need to do as we persevere is to rejoice in the Lord. It says in scripture, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. So we, just like we asked to give thanks, we're also asked to rejoice. So giving thanks is a conscious act of the will, but rejoicing is the response of our spirit. When we rejoice, we know that God has things in control. We know that God will bring to benefit everything um, that concerns us. He will perfect everything that concerns us. So we are called to rejoice as we persevere through our journeys, through our struggles. We're also called to be patient. Faithfulness requires patience. Scripture says, but if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. In our human nature, it's very, very easy to resort to being impatient, especially when there is a time of wait, especially when, when we have to keep sitting down and, and waiting for the promises. Uh, but we, are, we understand that the periods of waiting, the time that we wait, helps us to persevere, helps us to be patient. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, the Bible talks about all those who through faith and through patience inherited the promises of God. So we are also called to be patient in our time of struggle. So in these six months, when we have been sitting at home waiting, we are called to persevere in patience because that is what teaches us to also be faithful. Another important thing as we persevere is to be able to take our faith boosters. Taking our faith boosters. Our faith boosters is the word of God. In Ephesians 6.17, the word is called as the sword of the spirit. John 6.6-3 talks about the word as spirit and life. So, God's word is our authority, and that is our only offensive weapon in our spiritual, in our battles. It's the only weapon. God's word says it's living and it is active. So when we speak the word, when we take the word, when we um, uh, continue to dwell in the word, it increases our faith. It, it improves our walk of faithfulness. So let's meditate on God's word to keep us from the enemy, to keep us from the attack of the enemy, to draw us away from being faithful to God because it's the word that helps us move forward. And lastly, it is to call on him. So every trial and every temptation uh, uh, brings us to a, 
an awakening of, of needing to be dependent on God. Because at the end of it, we know that our dependence is only on God because he is our only provision. He is our only protector, our shield, our guide, our strength. And that's exactly what scripture tells us to do. It says, call upon me in the day of trouble and I will deliver you and you shall glorify me. So God strengthens our dependence on him, even in the midst of all that we see that is, that is in the unknown. We need to continue to remain faithful in the knowledge that he will hear us, he will deliver us, he will pick us up, and he will, he will take us from day to day because he is a God who promised to be faithful. To quickly recap, um, we went through the lesson from Hebrews chapter 3, which spoke about the faithfulness of Jesus, as well as we learned a lesson from the faithlessness of the Israelites. We also did uh, uh, look into how we grow in faithfulness, how we persevere in faithfulness, and also how, what are the promises that we have. So in conclusion, let me bring you to a, 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 a wonderful verse that Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 1558 he says therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast immovable always abounding in the work of the Lord knowing that your labor is not in vain in the Lord the the word that Paul uses here he says to be steadfast and immovable which means let us not be tossed and turned it says to be always abounding in the work of God. Let's continue to work on what God has given us, to work on what he has entrusted to do. We are also taught to keep the end in mind because the word of God says, your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Let's understand that even as we continue to labor, God is with us, he is with us to the end continuing to be faithful over our lives. And as we struggle sometimes, sometimes our faith may be shaken, our, our understanding may be, may be difficult, but let's cling to Christ and to him alone because we are saved through faith and we are called to faithfulness to the end. Let's pray. Father God, almighty God, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the Holy Spirit that teaches us to beware, that teaches us to not harden our hearts, that teaches us to be careful. Lord, we ask and we ask you, Father, to build in us a life of faith. Thank you for the faithfulness that you show towards us, your children. Lord, teach us to be faithful to you. Thank you for the promises that you've given us, Lord, that we can be partakers of you as we walk through this, uh, this journey of faith, Father. Lord, help us to know, God, that even as we keep our, our vision to the end, Father, that we will be faithful, that we will stand in faith, knowing, Lord, who we have put our trust in, God. Help us to know, God, that we have an inheritance in you, Lord, and that we dwell in you, that you work on our behalf, Father, and you are faithful because that is who you are, Master. Lord, we speak into the situations of people here today. Lord, and I pray, Father, that you show yourself as being faithful. And even as we make our journey through these times, God, teach us and help us to be faithful with joy and with rejoicing and with a heart of gladness. Because, Lord, you meet with us. You, we, we look forward, Lord, to, to having that honor, to having that crown of life, Lord, that you, have, that you will bestow on us, that you have ready for us. Thank you, Father. We ask that, that you go ahead of us this week. We, you go ahead of us, Lord, through this season and that we will be faithful. We will, we will be faithful to the end. We will stand, Lord, to our calling of being faithful to the end. Oh God, and we ask that you bless us and that you hear us and make that possible. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you, church, for joining us today. We hope you were blessed and uh, will take home the message of being faithful to the end. Uh, we look forward to seeing you again next week. Have a blessed day and have a great week. God bless.